We are in the end times. Some of you have not asked me this, but I wonder if you ever think it, if you've been here very long. Pastor CJ, why don't you preach very often or haven't heard you preach very much from the book of Revelation? Um, I will tell you that I want to, and it's not that I don't study in the book of Revelation, but I grew up a lot of years in church where um, people tried to set dates. Um, I, I don't remember if I can know the date. 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 88. I was around for that one. I think my dad had that on his bookshelf. He didn't, he got it to know what the guy was saying, but didn't, you know. The fact of the matter is Jesus is coming back. But um, there are some who think that uh, they can set the date and time and know. And, and Revelation to me, as especially uh, as someone who has not been a pastor very long, uh, there's, a, there's a duty and responsibility to the whole word of God. But uh, when you get into Revelation and prophecy, I really want to know what I'm talking about before I do because uh, it's like when I tell my boys that they, they were so amazed when I first told them the story about the little boy who cried wolf. And, of course, they were focused on the fact the little boy got eaten, you know. I was trying to teach them the moral of it, but they were just fascinated by the, the catastrophe that the little boy got eaten. But, but we have had so many uh, self-proclaimed theologians who have made predictions that have damaged the, gosp- the, the spread of the gospel. Because there are people who, every time they do that and they claim to speak for God, and they don't truly have a, a, a revelation of that, it does damage because it's like the little boy who cried wolf. And while I don't fear that I would become that way, not out of pride, I just know that I am so scared every time I get before the folks to divide the word in a, in a holy fear that um, I'm not going to just throw things out there. But while we're not in the book of Revelation tonight, it does have to do with the end times. And I, I feel we have to be uh, very careful with this topic as well. Um, we're going to spend some time. If you want to go ahead and get to the book of Matthew, I am going to hop to a few other areas, but uh, the meat of what we will uh, talk about is Matthew chapter 24, if you want to get to that chapter. Jesus gives 49 identifiable signs of the coming of the end. 49 of them. Now, when I go to list these, some of you will, some of you will say, well, that's not really a sign, Pastor CJ. That's just kind of, you, you've just taken the text and really blocked it out. But actually, I've cross-referenced this with some other sermons, other ministers, and, and, and found some agreement that some things that don't even look like a sign, they are. Um, the purpose of this message is really for us to hone in like I talked about our focus like that fighter who is very focused on the fight and knowing what's going on because the word cautions us about being like those who will be eating drinking and marrying not like you can't be eating food or getting married when Christ comes back as a Christian but that some will be so much about those things they won't be about things of the kingdom of God and they won't recognize the signs of the end times so the purpose of this is really to heighten our alert. It's kind of like those after I've left Walmart corporate office, you know, before I left because of 9-11, there was the different codes of travel. Like when I had to travel to New York after that incident with the associate in travel and I had to be in the stores for several years after that, it, it was, you know, okay, it was code orange. You can't travel this area or, or whatever. But, but <clears throat> it's really to heighten our, our alert to those things. It's not for us to try to get into prediction. If you have been given the gift of prophecy, which I believe still operates today, you just got to be on it 100% every time. Because a prophet that speaks for God is not, you know, 60-40. So I'm not discouraging prophecy, uh, prophecy in the church. 
uh, I'm discouraging for those who have, don't have that gifting to try to step out into that for the sake because they see some signs and say, oh, look, Jesus is coming back probably in the next six months. But we need to be aware of what's going on because some of these signs um, are not the fact that uh, they, they happened and passed a long time and people said, well, that's a sign of the end times. And they're like, well, that was 60 years ago, so you're wrong. No, some of them will repeat. This is, th in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about over 2,000 years ago when Jesus said these things, that a mere 200 years, some of these things unfolding, is, is a short amount of time. It's to, this message is to restore anticipation and awareness in the followers of Yeshua Mashiach, of those warning signs of the Lord that the Lord provides. And that term is a title for, for Jesus, the Savior of our world. In the last week of Jesus' ministry before his death and resurrection, he walked east from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem with his disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Um, we see that in Mark 13, 33, but across the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives overlooking the eastern side of Jerusalem. So it, it reminds me of like when you go over, um, I remember our friend Brad McMath where he and his parents lived was over close to the Lodge on Whitney Mountain, or is that that way? If some of you are familiar with that old restaurant, that was like the swanky restaurant back when I was in high school. Prom, everybody, if you took your date to Lodge on Whitney Mountain, that was something. Um, I don't know if it exists anymore. But, but from his back porch, you could see the statue of Jesus in Eureka Springs. And that was like a uh, 45-minute drive at least from there. And that was pretty impressive. So I get the picture. They're traveling up, and they're, they're look, overlooking the eastern side of Jerusalem, so he pointed over the temple and he said that one day not one of these stones will be standing on another. To which the disciples, obviously, if I was up there in Brad's back porch back then, said one day that statue of Jesus is going to be flat. There's going to be some questions. Well, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? And then Jesus gave 49 signs in all, 27 signs in Matthew 24. These were signs that the followers were to look for. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, Mark 13 and Luke 21 repeat much of the same teaching and report additional signs. But Jesus said, when, you, when these signs come to pass, then the end will come shortly. It doesn't give us a year. It doesn't give us a timeline, but it will come shortly. Matthew 24, 14. So... Um, I'm sorry, I might, that might have been a typo because I remember Matthew 24, 14. That's maybe prior to that. But the temple will be totally destroyed, number one. So the temple will be totally destroyed. He already states that. Many will come in my name. Many will say, I am the Christ. Many will deceive many. You will hear of many wars. There will be rumors of wars. And these things must happen before the end. Nation will rise up against nation. Kingdoms will rise up against kingdoms. I, I'm not reading verbatim. I'm, I'm giving you the list. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. Followers of Jesus will be persecuted. Followers of Jesus will be put to death. Followers of Jesus will be hated by all nations because of Jesus. In the last days, many will turn from their faith. Many will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear. Many false prophets will deceive many people. Number 19, wickedness will increase. The love, and this is presumably the love of Christ and his church, um, the love will grow cold, of most will grow cold. 
Number 21, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached all over the world. Number 22, you will see the abomination that causes desolation standing in the holy place. There will be a great distress like nothing before. Number 24, many will say, here is the Christ or there is a Christ, setting dates and places. Number 25, there will be those false prophets and false messiahs that will produce signs and wonders that may deceive the very elect Christians. In those last days, the sun will be darkened and the moon not give its light. Number 27, the generation that lives at the end times will not pass away before all these things come to pass. And then if we were to go to Mark 13, uh, you get into, uh, you will stand before the governors and kings as my witnesses. You will be arrested and brought on trial on account of me, and I will give you words to say. You will see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong. That's a repeat from Matthew. And then Luke 21, you will hear of revolutions and wars. Number 32, many of these things will happen, but the end will not come right away. There will be pestilence in many places, um, such as virus, epidemics, incurable diseases, uh, insects. There will be many fearful events. There will be great signs from the heavens. Believers, follow, believers and followers will be betrayed by parents, relatives, friends, and brothers in the faith. Some of you will be martyred. All men will hate you on account of me. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that the desolation is near. There will be a time of punishment, number 40, about which the scripture is right. There will be a great wrath against the Jewish Christian people. Many Jews and Christians will be taken captive as prisoners. Many will fall by the sword. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles fulfilled, number 45. Number 46, nations will be in anguish and, per and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea, hurricanes, tsunamis, cyclones, sea surges, flooding. Men will faint from terror, terrorists and terrifying events. Men will be apprehensive of what is coming on the world. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken, number 49, meteors, stars falling from the sky. Okay, so as I'm reading through this, because I, I do that surfing from time to time, um, I'm not saying that we haven't had times where we've had a few of those where it's like, oh my goodness, this is a sign. But never have I seen in my short 41 years, have I seen where I scoured and quickly found almost all of those happening now. There's some that I think yet are to be fulfilled, but, but they're not just roundabout. Now I plan to, maybe not next Wednesday night or soon, to pull off some YouTube videos about the temple being rebuilt. Because that is one of the most specific prophecies that you can't just say, this is where you don't see media about it, although some of these videos have been on YouTube a while. You don't see coverage about it. You don't see anything big about it. It's almost like it's just been kind of forgotten. Yet of all the Bible prophecies, some of the greatest and most intense and most exact are happening now. But the Bible told us that would happen, that everybody wouldn't be paying attention, that they'd be so caught up in, in sin and other things, they just wouldn't care. You know, we... We have churches all over the place here in the Bible Belt, but think about it. If they don't go to a church, if they're not regularly involved, if they aren't hearing from someone who is, who is being led by God to, to watch for these things and know from Scripture, if they're not reading their word all the time and the Holy Spirit not illuminating that to them, then why wouldn't they just be about their business not knowing all this is happening? There are some people who are not in right standing with God that if they truly could sit down with an expert in prophecy, biblical prophecy right now, 
and for them to lay out the newspaper articles and everything and show them, it wouldn't be like these conspiracy theories thing where you're like, okay, aliens, you know. I mean, it wouldn't be that. Some would be trembling at the fact that they have, they have been asleep all this time as to what's going on. I don't do this as a fear tactic because it's like I said when we sang that song, God of Angel Armies, our job isn't to scare people into the kingdom, although there is a real literal hell and there is a real little consequence for, from, from choosing to be eternally separated from God, making the choice to do that. But at the same time, this is a rescue mission. <coughs> we, the battle we fight, the one that's raging right now is for the souls of men, women, and children, for us to be active about reaching out and reaching the lost. So this is a positive message because we're seeing that the end times are coming and for those who are being persecuted or being martyred across the world for their faith, they are, they are maybe receiving reward now, but, but they're going to see the fulfillment. It's like the scripture says when Martyr said, how much longer, Lord, are you going to wait to basically revenge us, to revenge our death, to, to finally show the justice of God to this world? What does a sign do? Some people pray for signs. Um, there's a whole following of like statues who are crying blood and all kinds of things. But why, what is our fascination with signs? Well, it, it points to something other than itself. Nobody looks at, uh, you know, in the Catholic faith when they have these big things, and it usually happens in Latin American countries or other countries, not so much U.S., but they see the Virgin Mary statue, you know, crying tears of blood. The awesomeness to them is not, hey, that statue just produced some blood. I mean, that is, but at the same time, what they're saying is that is evidence that what we believe is actually true. Now, whether you believe those things happen or not, we won't get into those things tonight, but a sign does not stand by the side of the road and say, I'm a sign, look at me. No, it points to something else of importance. It provides warnings, information, and directions. Uh, it says the, to the reader, to the listener, be warned, informed, and directed. Now, my wife is... Uh, cautioned me before about using um, <clears throat> movies as examples because they might have been a while back before I got convicted about watching that movie and I forgot their stuff in there and I don't want to lead anybody to watch it. But uh, when Bruce Almighty came out, it caught my attention because as a kid who grew up in church, I'm like, Jim Carrey, that guy's funny and this is interesting, but I thought it was going to be blasphemous. And maybe in some context you can see it that, that way, but there was some things in there that I thought, man, that was actually rel well written about uh, there's a few things in there that I'm not sure the unbeliever would catch, but the believer caught. And I thought someone had some real insight into the heart of God because there's one point where um, he's driving down the road. This is before Bruce runs into God. And there's all, there's this, these signs saying, turn back now. And he's just having it out, pretty much God. God, show me a sign. Show me a sign. And he goes a little further and there's all these warning signs he's missing. Pretty soon this big truck pulls out in front of him and it's hauling signs that all say like caution, go back. And he ends up crashing his car. And then he gets out and that's where I sometimes will say, smite me, almighty smiter. You know, when, when people are so uh, irreverent to God that they'll actually challenge God to a duel. But, but another part of that movie too is where <clears throat> he's really struggling with the fact that he's lost his woman over, you know, thinking he has all these powers. Why can't I make her love me? And, that, and Morgan Freeman, who's God, says, but when you figure that out, let me know. How do I make you love me? See, God gave us free will. And so there's certain things about signs and things that we want, we want to force the hand of God to do, but God is saying, but if I do that, I'm stepping across the very gift I gave you, a free will, and 
I need you to understand that not everything can just be a big sign right in front of you. But signs are meant to point to us uh, in a different direction, uh, to something else. Jesus says the serious student of prophecy will be blessed if they do three things. And this is in Revelation 1, verse 3. Uh, they read the word of prophecy, the words of prophecy. Uh, they hear the words of prophecy. And uh, indicates that God will open the eyes and ears by the spirit of prophecy uh, in Revelation 19.10. And the third thing, takes the word of prophecy to heart, seriously heeds the signs and warnings. So it's not good enough to just see them. It's not good enough just to hear that they're happening, but to truly take them to heart, to understand that this is, you know, Jesus had trouble with his disciples trying to say sometimes, this is what I told you about. I mean, when he appeared to them after the crucifixion, wasn't there a little bit of like doubting Thomas? Wasn't there a little bit of like, what else do I have to do? You know, here I am before you. I said this would happen. But, you know, um, I believe sometimes they were trying to take Jesus figuratively, like we often do about his commands in the current church today. We will look at things and try to say, well, that's, Jesus didn't exactly mean it that way. I mean. But Jesus gives us comparisons to use in seeing and interpreting signs. Uh, he used two natural phenomena to make his point. Uh, he used the fig tree and the weather. Uh, one was the life cycle of the fig tree. In other words, that one can look at the tree and know when the fruit is about ripe. Uh, I remember when my boys, their one-year birthday, we thought was going to be cool is we're going to plant a fruit tree every year of our kids' lives. Well, we planted the, the first year, <laughs> and we never really did when Lily. But well, we bought two different peach trees thinking, well, twins are always going to be probably people comparing them. We'll do two different trees, and that was a mistake because whatever kind the one of them was, poor Colton's tree, we, we don't tell them which is which anymore, but one of them's flourished and grown and is producing peaches, and the other one is still like small, and my dad has to keep it wrapped around and keep the deer from eating all the leaves off of it. But, but we could see from the sign, I know when those buds are coming out, and you could see the, like on a cherry tree, you see those, those beautiful uh, blooms come out. You know that the fruit is about to get there. And so he used that example of in, in the end times and the things we see, it's like that blossom. You know, some of these, they sound so horrible and everything, but for the believer who knows that their eternity is with God, no matter what horrible things happen here, it's like that blossom we see right before the fruit. And then he also said you can tell by looking at the sky and seeing weather signs. I'm like most men who are stubborn and don't want to ask for directions. I'm sometimes stubborn when I see what the weather's going to do, and I just kind of like, eh, we'll see. I remember riding my motorcycle one time when we lived in Bella Vista, and I got over there to Hawassi, right where I turned off on 279 back there, and I've got pictures of this I posted before. Some of you saw them. But if it wasn't a funnel cloud forming, it was, it, it was most like one. I mean, the sky was rotating. The clouds were rotating. There's this big thing. And I stopped, and what most of my generation younger do, instead of finding shelter, is, hey, I'm going to post this on Facebook. So I pull over, take a picture of it. It's like, do I go or not? You know? <laughs> and of course, I didn't wait for a response. I went. I got drenched. I mean, went, I just had a few miles to go home, and I was drenched. But... But Jesus is using this saying, you know, we can even see. You know what that curtain of rain looks like, and you see it moving this way. You can see the signs. You know it's coming. Don't ignore that. Just know it's coming. So, um, you know, there's some references to that in Matthew 16, 2 through 4. Uh, but in other words, the signs are plain, are plain to see for those who will notice them. Not everyone is noticing them. Not everyone is. You know, I, I understand, and here's, 
here's something that I've mentioned before, how I was a closet disbeliever in some tenets of faith that my parents raised me in. I wouldn't tell them until, like for instance, the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking tongues, until it happened to me. And I was forced, and, and the results of it were positive to my walk with the Lord. They weren't, you know, from some of my friends from other denominations who told me that was of the devil. Um, I had to disagree at that point and say, apparently you're wrong because I'm not hiding out anymore, not wanting anybody to know I'm pastor's son. I'm wanting to tell people about Jesus. So I had an Acts account, and I couldn't deny it. But some, until something happens of magnitude like that to them, will just not see the signs. Unfortunately, God doesn't always present himself in such a manner that there's no way to deny it. That's what the faith is about. So believing. And, and as I've used this before, help, help you to understand, for those who will say, well, that doesn't seem fair to God. Why does he hide and hope that you're just going to have faith and believe in him? He sent his son in the flesh from birth till they killed him in his 30s to show that I'm a living God who loves and cares for you. I'm sending my son. And people who were heads of the church, religious leaders, killed him. So don't think for a minute that if God just showed up in front of your face in some kind of big cloud or whatever, that you wouldn't still find a way to worm out of the fact that maybe he's real. We do some strange things in an effort to hang on to our sin. We do some really strange things sometimes. You know, there's, there's some signs that have happened, uh, at least in some of the lifetimes that are still alive today, such as the restoration of Israel in 1948. I mean, when that happened... The Christian church was saying, oh, Lord, he's coming back like this year. You know, I mean, that was a huge fulfillment of prophecy. Um, or the restoration of Jerusalem to the Jews in 1967. Uh, but even more so, the rise of Islam. I mean, these things that are happening now are, are not just, you know, horseshoes. We're close to getting a ringer. I mean, we should be here and it hit the pole. Bing! Bing, God is ringing the bell, saying that is coming soon. You know, we have more dots to connect now in these days that, and benchmarks for, um, for calculations to be made, even though I'm not encouraging calculations, but, but there are more happening than ever before. These 49 signs, and I know I didn't number each one of them, but I did read off 49 different signs, are particularly directed to the faithful followers of Jesus Christ, both the Gentile church and the Messianic Jewish followers of Yeshua. The judgment of, of Revelation, the judgments of Revelation refer primar primarily to what God is doing to the unbelieving rebels of the world and to the followers of the Antichrist movements uh, and mystery, uh, mysteries of Babylon. <coughs> now, you've heard me, some people might think that I am uh, a, a coward when it comes to politics because they don't see me you know, posting a lot about politics or things like that. And I'm not going to draw a line in the sand with anybody who feels that that's their mission. But um, for one, what I've said for some time, um, uh, okay, so I'm 41, and when Clinton got elected, George Bush Sr. lost out, Clinton got elected, I was sitting in the living room floor, still living home. I think I was high school age, somewhere around there. And my dad said, there's no way with as many Christians in this nation that Clinton will get elected. And I remember turning to him, and I wish I'd never said it at that point. But I should have kept it to myself because, you know, in our family, uh, you just don't do it. I said, oh, I, I won't be surprised at all. Well, I didn't mean that I liked him. I just meant the way the world's going. I, even at a young age, I was seeing that 
the revelation of the scripture doesn't tell us that it's going to get better. I mean, a one world order and the kind of leaders that are depicted, it's not like we're on a road to success here for this world. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray for leaders. I I don't want to get off on rabbit trails because you guys have heard enough of this from me, but it's not that we don't pray for leaders. It's not that we don't stand for what is right. Even the three Hebrew children were willing to go into a furnace and say, I won't bow. I'm saying that we still stand. We have a voice. We know the battles, though, by by the Holy Spirit speaking to us on which we pick in this world. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. There's no military operator who doesn't look at his mission as, as my life depends, my life depends on how smart I move about this. You understand that we are to handle things wisely. Sometimes our mouths, and because we feel like, well, Jesus is on my side, I can just blast and go. But that's not how the, the examples we have in the Scripture, how they operated. They spoke when Jesus gave them, when the Lord gave them the words, when the Holy Spirit moved on, they spoke. They, they did missions for God when Moses was asked. Moses was like, I'm not a speaker. You, know, you see what I'm saying? There's a humility, there's a humbleness that I, I will do it because I am obedient to my Lord and I love him, but I am not someone who thinks I have my own mission. Now I will tell you, and again, I may be getting too far off here, that I, I will let you know so you know where I stand. I was so much, even the short time as in the military, about believing that, hey, I still have to respect the office, the commander-in-chief, you know, hey. But I would say we are more challenged now than ever before to, to still figure out how to be respectful and be truthful and honest. So these 49 signs, let's get back to this. Uh, they're, they're particular warning signs. Um, in fact, Jesus says, uh, in these three gospel passages, how grave these times will be for Christian followers. Even remarking, it, if these days had not been cut short, none of the faithful would survive. This is where many will back up other scriptures and say, God will not give us more than we can handle. He's even going to cut the time short. He's saying, the time really should go longer. But I'm going to cut the time short. In, a, in other words, there was a longer period of time, but I'm cutting it short because if I didn't, many of us, we would hit our limit and we wouldn't survive. We like to think, I'd never deny Christ, I'd never do this. But, you know, Peter thought the same thing. Because he loved Jesus, he was willing to, to fight with a sword for him, but then when he saw the crucifixion, hey, this is more real than I thought. He will cut these difficult times short and remove the church after times of persecution and intense aggravation and harassment, if you will, persecution. We will see and are seeing these signs coming to pass all around us. These 49 signs become a checklist, if you will, enabling most, and most every believer who is aware of the world news and world events to check them off one at a time. It's really not just believers, it's just unbelievers are not going to invest themselves in that because they really want to believe that this isn't what they think it is because it's scary if you don't know where your eternity is. The serious student of the Bible, prophecy, of Bible prophecies who has the advantage of the spirit quickened eyes and ears and mind will see the he, see and heed the obvious signs. I could tell you that, uh, just be upfront with you, some of the things I'm seeing right now as I watch them, you know, uh, the enemy wants to cast fear, but it drives me more. I was so sick the first two days of this week that I couldn't hardly stand to stand up very long. And the reason I reached out on Facebook and asked prayer is because I didn't want to miss preaching. Brother Ken does a fine job and he already offered he could have stepped in. But I didn't want to just miss preaching. I didn't want to miss worship. I know our times are short, and I don't want to miss out on practice for heaven. 
You know, I don't want to miss out on that. Every time I come to the body of Christ, I'm strengthened. And that's a choice we make. I come in with expectation, expectation that I'm going to be strengthened and built up. A lot of us, our problem with why we're not receiving when we come to church or we're not being built up or that is because of our attitude towards what's happening already or we've let other things outweigh the value of what God is trying to do in our lives. And so we, we come in with the only expectation is, is nothing's going to change. Well, obviously, that's a lack of faith. And what the scripture says is, you're right. You have chosen for them not to change. Some will say, but I prayed, Pastor CJ, I prayed over and over for this one thing. Well, maybe it's time to start thinking. Either God is just not answered in the way I think he should, and I don't see it, or he's just not answered yet, or I'm asking for something that he knows is not best for me. I'm not making excuses for God. It's just that's what I've seen in my own life. That's what I see from Scripture. Sometimes we need to know there's something else going on. Think about Job, what he must have been going through. I mean, at some point, even his wife's saying, curse God and die because I mean, obviously God has left you alone. Well, God hadn't. God knew Job's potential, and he was proving it out. So there's three signs, three of these signs, number 7, number 32, and 45. I'll read those back to you. Um, They are timing signs. Number 7 was these signs must happen before the end. So all those that we read, they must happen before the end. Nothing's going to be left out. Many of these signs, number 32, many of these signs will happen, but the end will not come right away. So, like 1948, when Israel returned to their land. And you know, it's real interesting because that was a celebrated thing then among many nations. But now many nations are saying, looking at Israel, as like, you're on somebody else's land. So we know things are flipping. We know while that was a phenomenal prophecy, then it also says in another prophecy that every nation around them will rise up against them. Well... Have you watched the news? Number 45, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So this is a, there are some timing things. There are signs that qualify the others, indicating that uh, these are signs that qualify the others, indicating that all these signs will happen over a longer period of time. But the faithful will have to wait them all out before the end comes. These are signs encouraging patience and faithfulness. Can you imagine the martyrs when the scripture tells us that they're asking God, how much longer will it be till you avenge us? That even those spectators from heaven are saying, I mean, come on. You know there's some who have seen the glory of heaven, who know the power of God and is uh, made real, who are sitting there like the fighter, I'm telling you. They're watching us saying, come on, Isis, just let me. I mean, right now, God, let's go now. Come on. I mean, they're, gonna, they're not going to know what's going to hit them, you know? I, I get charged up because sometimes as Christians, we, when we're, we're meant to be as Jesus and be meek and mild, which is not weak, it's meek and mild, which means to, to understand that it's like when you peer at the enemy that you think is the enemy, look behind them because the true enemy is by them. ISIS, I heard, I listened to a great message, I posted it today um, from Brother Brian Jarrett, uh, uh, from in Texas, has a great church. He was a super evangelist from age 16 through the churches. If you get a chance and you're on Facebook, go find that link to their, um, go to North Places page once in a while, hear his messages. Uh, I look at him as a mentor. And, you know, he was talking about these events that are going on and that, you know, it's, it's so disheartening. But at the same time, we have to realize that, that the blood of these martyrs are sometimes planting the seed 
of the church that will remain and win the final that are lost. Remember, God will not put his people through anything for which his grace, his wisdom, and strength are not adequate. He even promises that he will give us the essential wisdom and the words to say and the strength. The reader is reminded that biblical prophecy is the best understood if you imagine yourself standing on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. See, I, I like to try to put myself there. I've not been to Jerusalem. Right, I used to want to go and do one of those tours. Right now, I just say I didn't spend enough time in the military and get quite the training I'd like to to go visit. <laughs> or I'd like to have some of the Israeli forces right next to me, but um, it's just not a time that I want to travel there. But at the same time, I like to try to picture myself there and, and from what I have seen of uh, pictures. And, and we need to try to place ourselves there and understand because sometimes the biblical worldview revolves around, uh, it, when we see it in Scripture, it revolves around Israel and the Jews around faithful followers of Yeshua and around the Temple Mount, uh, around uh, the Gentile believers. But, but Americans are a little doctrinally narcissistic sometimes. We, we tend to only understand and interpret prophecy from our perspective ourselves and Western culture. Our culture is a baby compared to the culture in Jerusalem and Israel and those countries. The, some of these wars that we get so aggravated with are trying to understand we don't understand they've been going on since biblical times. They were set in motion long ago. Some people don't understand why Israel is fighting with everybody around them. But you have to understand that this all comes from uh, what we read in biblical scriptures. America has had special protection because of its love for God and establishing a Christian nation based on biblical laws and principles of living and governance in the past, but I believe that right now we are seeing that protection being lifted. And we say, well, I'm still here. There's so many churches. But you know, the church in America is actually in decline. But the denominations who are saying that will say, but as a whole, worldwide, we are growing. The Assemblies of God is one. We are growing by leaps and bounds. We are the fastest growing evangelical denomination right now worldwide. But in the United States, churches are closing their doors in many areas of the country. I would love to say we're a Christian nation. We aren't. We are a nation that still has the church alive and in many places still kicking. And more than kicking, they're thriving. It's not all doom and despair. I mean, I, you know, little things that people make light of. We went to two services. And, and the first week, the first service looked like normal services. And the second one, we had, well, some of the people that had to be here for second service because they're in ministry and a few others. <coughs> in my humanness, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize. In my humanness, I went home that day struggling with, uh, did I get something wrong here, God? You know, first week. But we, we see those things. And I'm not talking about just struggles in churches. I'm talking about when churches fall apart and doors close. America is like the nations of, of Western and Southern Europe. We have turned from God's ways, rejected the Bible's instructions and worldview, and consequently his blessing and favor are being removed. And the enemy is encroaching and persecuting. So these 48 things that are happening, besides the, the 49 that we're talking about, uh, in our nation and culture, our 200-year wall of spiritual protection has seriously been breached. But be hopeful. Jesus said this. He said, Then the Son of Man will come in a cloud with great power and glory. 
when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Luke 21 and 28. We are all in different places in our journey and we all may have things going on in our life. But when I get up like I did today and I've done before, um, some of you weren't here this Sunday, I finally, I, it's like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder to look around, I looked around. I mean, I was feeling the Spirit moving, everything's going on. And I saw a lot of people like this. Some may have had a late night or whatever. And I got in front of you, and I said, everybody do what I do. And I did cheerleading for a while. And somebody thought, that's hokey, okay, that's whatever. But I look at my role as a shepherd not to force you to do what you need to do, but sometimes to draw your attention to what you need to do. Because it's not a matter of need to do. Clapping your hands is not the spiritual application I'm trying to, to project. Jumping up and down is not a spiritual project. I'm not trying to project that. What I'm saying is that if you grasp what we're talking about tonight and you understand the climate in which you're in and then you understand what Jesus has done for you and that is truly ingrained in you and it's something that you meditate on daily and from your mouth you speak about the Lord daily and you're in his word and it is a vibrant living welling up within you then I don't know how you could stand still. I, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to upset anybody. You're all my friends. Ken was mounting before church. I said, hey, if you're going to say anything to me, say it around my friends. I'm kidding. We know each other a long time. But, but you know, I, I, we're in this together. So I'm not, don't sit here and think, well, you must be talking to me, Pastor CJ. I've always said there's only been a couple times where I think I might have directed something towards someone and I felt awful for weeks. I couldn't erase it from my memory. Most times someone comes up to me and says, were you talking about me? I'm like, what are you talking about? What service? What? You know, I really, I don't. But I do know this. Those 21 that were martyred recently, if they could, if that had been prevented, but they knew that was going to happen, and you could transplant them in one of our services. And this isn't bragging on Ken, although I believe he does a great job, but I, the Holy Spirit. And I felt the Holy Spirit moving like I have sometimes. I don't think those guys could have contained themselves. Because what kind of vibrant live wire of the Holy Spirit going on in them would cause you to go so calmly to your death and in prayer, some of them, as they were beheaded. I don't fear what's coming for the Church of America because I know who stands behind me. I know who goes before. I know the God of angel armies. But my concern is, will we stand in similar circumstances? We can't be guaranteed that we're not going to see that happen in our, in our, in our nation. Jesus said, the Son of Man will come in a cloud with great power and glory when these things begin to take place. Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I know the martyrs will be like, giddy up. <laughs> They're going to be out there. I can imagine Jesus saying, hey, wait, I go first. Hold on. The faithful followers of Jesus Christ do not look at these warning signs as mere dread or fear, but with great hope and anticipation of the blessed return of the bridegroom for the bride of Christ. I want to invite you to take this list um, that I gave tonight, and I know I uh, might have been concerned that I was reading off so fast and without numbers, but I did print these off. And can I have your help, Ken? And... Uh, I made about 25 copies, so if there's any regular tenders that you can share one between your spouse just until we know that everybody's got one, I can print off more later. 
again, some of these have happened over and over. It's been more of a, you know, we could see in several points of our recent history that have been fulfilled. But at the same time, this does, this can enact like a checklist. And what I'm not trying to do, again, is for us to all think that I'm trying to promote us to all be experts on prophecy. I would love that, but I'm not one myself. I would just tell you that as you're, which I know some of you will do because we talk to each other on Facebook, we'll serve Facebook. Instead of just letting some of the dread and despair that people are putting out there in fear mongers on Facebook, take those articles and look through and take your list. You know, as you pray about things, look at that. And just as a kind of a catch your attention, like, wow, this, this sounds a lot like what we're seeing right here. Maybe take and make some notes on another paper and, and, and mark the number next to it. And begin to just keep a little journal of this because I believe things are happening so quickly that you're going to be amazed that as you begin to track this checklist and look at things that are happening, your eyes, the Holy Spirit is going to really open your eyes to how really close we are to the return of Christ. There's one in particular that I want to tackle again possibly next week uh, and look at, and I want you to try to answer this. So if you have a pen to write it down, you could write on that paper uh, somewhere on it in the margin. But I want you to look at Matthew 24, 15. Matthew 24, 15. I want you to take a look at that in your own devotion time. And look, I've already looked at some uh, commentaries and different uh, study helps on this. So I have, have some thoughts already prepared, but I want us to actually have discussion a little bit about this, uh, may, possibly next week or the week after on Wednesday. Um, it says, Matthew 24, verse 15, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, it goes on to say, that's time to head for the hills. If you read the, if you read the next verse after that, it's basically saying that's when you split. That's when you don't go back to get more supplies from home, doomsday preppers. That's when you will finally realize that you should listen to your military buddies that says there's no survival where you pack everything with you. You know how to get it while you're there. You, you run light, you go fast. Now, this isn't against scare tactics, but many of us think that Christians, that God, Jesus always proponents of us sitting there and waiting for things to happen to us. But we see scriptures where he's saying that's when you head to the hills. It's okay to run. Only an idiot would stand there when you know truck's going to hit me. I think I'll stand here and see how it feels. <laughs> you know? I know that some of those are martyred. They are running for their lives. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing uncourageous about that. They know that they still have a job to do to spread the word of God. They don't know whether it's their time that God is going to allow that to happen. They're not, they're not maybe they're not privy to that, but they're going to run. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at, to not get off the topic here, is that I want us to start to think about some of these things where there, there seems to be a little mystery to them when you read that. What is the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place? In this translation, ESV that I'm looking at, it actually has in parentheses later, it says, let the reader understand. You can look at different translations. I challenge you to do that. King James, New King James, all kind of look at the different wording. And um, if you can look at online commentaries, um, I can give you some... Uh, pointers as to which ones I think are uh, good, credible ones. But anyway, uh, let's, let's work at that. So it's kind of like homework. I don't do that a lot. But take that and in your devotion time, begin to, to make yourself aware of what's coming. I want us to also, uh, I want to ask you to be praying for the persecuted church. There is uh, still so much happening. Uh, Brother Saeed that's been in prison for years now, his kids growing up without him, tortured, deprived of medicine, um, 
he's an AG minister, and we just we need to pray for these that are that are truly um, at, at risk, and um, be praying that God will will some some of the, I know I heard recently that some missionaries I think from Iraq that they happen to be home I think raising support to find out that the churches that had got started were running for their lives from ISIS uh, being forced underground trying to seek refuge with other churches in other areas and so. Um, you know, we're just, we're comfortable here. We just, we don't worry about whether the door's getting ready to slam open and men with guns come in and threaten our lives for our faith. But I see articles all the time. I know that there's a Navy chaplain that I'm somewhat familiar with who had been a chaplain over um, some very um, um, highly motivated uh, individuals in the Navy and uh, he was removed from his position for now and he's an AG AG minister, U.S. missionary chaplain, and uh, he's been removed and relocated. There's actually, I guess, a lawsuit going on, but because um, a homosexual assistant who was just in transition placed him and, and basically set him up to, to say that because of his views that he should be kicked out of the Navy. And it, he's a chaplain. He's actually upholding exactly what they hired him to do. When we see things like this, we realize that this is the precursor. This is the, this is the fluff if you will. He's not going through fluff, but this is a fluff of persecution. But if you look back 10 years where we've come from and understand that if those kind of things are happening now, what's to come next? (coughs) So while we are not uh, staying in fear, but we should be in prayer, it um, it would be that way if you had a brother or sister, a blood brother or sister who is in that situation right now. If you had... Uh, a family member and my wife and I have multiple missionaries in our family who are in areas where we can't even say the word church when we communicate in email we have to say community because in the area they're in they would be put in jail or worse for simply being a missionary there they are teachers so we understand greatly that those risks that it's easy for us to be comfortable when we don't have someone in that situation but these are our brothers and sisters of Christ who if we truly believe what we believe they will be next to us in heaven at that big banquet table amen Let's bow our heads and just pray over this message and ask God to bury it in our hearts. Jesus, I just ask you tonight that your Holy Spirit would continue to work this message into the very fibers of our heart, the the very um, recess of our heart, that like your word, it's like the surgeon that is separated between uh, muscle and tendon and bone and marrow, Lord, that this would bury deep, Lord, that it uh, it would promote spiritual growth in us, Lord, spiritual maturity, and that we would press forward (coughs) for the kingdom. I thank you for what you're going to do and work among this group of mighty warriors. In Jesus' name, amen.